Welcome back to the McCann Dogs Podcast, episode 27. And if you are one of our Canadian brethren, does that work? Uh, <laughs> Close enough. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> then uh, you will uh, know that winter's coming up. And if you are in, I guess it's the, it's the Northern Hemisphere, winter is just around the corner, regardless of where you are in, uh, uh, I guess, North America. Uh that presents some unique challenges, and it's often a time that we see people kind of start to struggle with their dog training, and you don't have to struggle. You don't have to wonder how you're going to keep your dog exercised, how the things you can do, you know, what can you do to um, to keep them out of trouble. We have a strategy for you, and in today's show, we're going to talk about some winter training tips. Uh, Instructor Shannon has created a, a, a blog post that um, it's gotten lots of views, and this time of year, it um, it's it's sage advice for, especially if you're a new dog owner, because maybe mm-hmm. this is your first winter with a dog and uh, you need to know what to do. Cause it's not quite the same as it has been for the past few months. Definitely. And I mean, if you're Canadian and you're used to the cold temps, dress warm, dress your dog warm if they need it and head Grab a out. double, double. There you go. <laughs> Hit Tim's <laughs> head out, have some fun training. You know, you can yeah. bundle up and certainly get out and train. There's uh, there's all sorts of options, but some days, are not conducive of training. Some winter days are beautiful and sunny and wonderful and others are frigid and horrible. That's right. <laughs> so if you're not a total diehard, then it's nice to have some have some tips for winter training. Yeah. And, you know, I think about this because when I was younger, I and I just started getting into dog training. I remember I cleared out a space in, in my basement because I wanted, it was a bit of a mess at the time. Um, I wanted somewhere that I could work on some indoor activities with Deegan. And, and to be honest, it was a lot of things like trick training, which is something we're going to talk about. Uh, in the, but I wanted to have like a space that was, you know, warm enough to train, mm-hmm. uh, sheltered from the, uh, the, the elements, but also for me, I wanted somewhere that was just for that, you know, it's so nice to have like, and I put down like those foamy mat things, mm-hmm. you know, that lock together. Yeah. Uh, and that's what it was for. And I remember the thing, this is so cool. Like I've got an area that I can just do my dog training stuff. And, you know, it, Deegan, I, I removed all the distractions, but mm-hmm. in the, in your article, you talk about warm indoor spots and, and maybe that doesn't need to be a basement maybe you don't have a basement. Maybe there's an opportunity to train somewhere else. You just need to get a little creative. Let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. And this was actually necessity for me. My old house, I had a setup just like you talked about giant basement area that I was able to dedicate a space to dog training. But then I moved about eight years ago, I moved and my current house has no garage and no basement. So I have to get creative sometimes. And it's not a massive house by any stretch. And I use all my bedrooms for I have four bedrooms and they're all set up for things that they're necessitated for. So I have to be creative with my small spaces and I have all sorts of go-tos that I use to help my dogs just chill a little bit, take Mm -hmm. some of the energy off, you know, those days where... I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty good at getting outdoors regardless of the weather, but there are days where if it's really cold and windy and rainy, I'm, I don't want to, (laughs) you know, I'm pretty wash and wear, but sometimes not. (laughs) I I think part of the reason we want to talk about this is that I want you to feel like you have a plan and 
The more you enjoy your training, the more likely you are to do it, the more likely you are to maintain those high expectations. um, But you do need to get out there and and do something and do stuff. And maybe it's a simple exercise that doesn't require that you can do it in like a four by four square. Uh, Or or maybe you want to practice some walking on leash. And that's hard to do in the frigid weather when you're using food rewards. I I, I think back to this is a while ago now, but um, uh, I you may have heard me mention that I work for the fire department as well. And, um, I was at a call. We were in the, we were in an alarm bells call. We we're in the, I think the sub, uh, it was like parking one or something, parking two, whatever. One of the, the underground and a guy was out there training his dog uh, nice. during, because he, you know, what else are you can do is, you know, evacuated and whatever. But, um, I thought this is, it was so nice and warm under there and it was winter time. And I thought this is such a nice area. What yeah. a great wide open space to train a dog. But, also comes to mind now great social we talk about uh, experience it, it, rather than socialization what a great mm-hmm. experience for the dog to be in like in that echoey environment with yeah. all sorts of you know people are going by and it's a great opportunity to work through some of this stuff in a new environment but yeah. having knowing that you have a space planning for a space to work in it means you're way more likely to actually train. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if the weather is nice enough to get outside, I use parking lots a ton when I am training my dogs, whether they're young dogs or older dogs and we're working on finessing obedience. Parking lots are nice because they're plowed. There's distractions. Yeah. You can easily control the level of distractions in most setups where, you know, you can use the back of the parking lot that's super quiet if you've got a young dog that needs limited distractions and you can go almost right to the storefront with a dog who you're challenging with those distractions and trying to cement things. Um, but as far as indoor spaces, sometimes the local Home Depots, Ronas, Lowe's, etc., will allow dogs in. Check on your um, on your individual stores to make a- sure. Ask first, for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of them ha- will no longer allow dogs in, unfortunately, because of bad incidents that have occurred. Um, but places like that, uh, pet stores as well, you know, your, your local Wrens and whatnot, you can usually go in with your dog. Again, always good to check first and with COVID and whatnot, limiting numbers and trying to allow for lots of space. Some of those things may have changed, but really it's a nice environment that you can practice in. Ideally, it's an area where it's nice and quiet. So you're not necessarily rounding a corner and running into another dog if your dog's not ready for that sort of distraction. But spaces like that can be nice. You know, sometimes schools will have areas I do scent work with my dog. And a lot of times we will rent out schools for practice. Or oh, I didn't know you on, could do that. You can rent out a school. Yeah, rent out a school. That's fun. Big party raves. No. Yeah. Um, they'll rent out areas in schools for tests and whatnot. So you've hmm. got these great areas to work in. And sometimes those schools will allow you to go in and train your dogs. Sometimes you just have to ask if there's not like a health and safety regulation there. Sometimes it's a non-issue and totally allowable. Can you rent out specifically the music room? Oh, I think that would be mischievous. Oh, yeah. Well, that'd be that's so much fun. I'd just go in and I'd teach myself to play one of the uh, the, the brass instruments. Yeah, hur- I, I hur- just had hur- this hur- mental hur- image of you bouncing off a wall. It's a picture I've seen before. Somewhere. Oh, that's right. Yes. Bouncing yeah, yeah. off a wall From with my, yeah. some other people that's playing right. music around you. Yeah, I was, um, I was in a, uh, a band. Uh, we were assigned to like an independent record label when I was a kid. And uh, that was a different part of my life. But um, I don't know. Uh, music room would be a fun place to uh, hide scents and I think do some, uh, do some training. Random Kip fact or Ken fact. That's right. Yeah. Bouncing around from uh, conversation, dog training conversation 
to the Ken facts for the Mm day. Um, uh, One of the things that immediately comes to mind for me when I think about training in the winter and like training, even when we have young dog in training and it's just crappy outside, you know, maybe it's rainy or Mm -hmm. whatever is uh, stationary skills. And I would, I can very uh, easily say that stationary skills are one of the most overlooked parts of your dog training. Everyone's so focused on, you know, a couple of basic stuff, response to name, maybe the recall, probably walking on leash. People undervalue the stationary skills like the stay. Absolutely. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, when you recognize the value that a good stay can have, mm-hmm. will it ever change your training? Let's talk a little bit about some of those stationary skills that you might be able to work on in a small space. Yeah, absolutely. The stay is an incredible way of helping your dog understand how to have emotional control around distractions. So, you know, getting to a point where your dog will listen to you when there's things like squirrels or other dogs or, or situations that will incite their prey drive etc. Getting them to the point where they can listen to you despite those distractions being present takes a lot of time and effort. And one of the quickest ways to get there is with the stay because it's such an obvious black and white exercise to your dog. There's really not a lot of variables to it. You're either staying or you're not staying. If you're not staying, it requires a fix. And if you are staying, then it will probably earn you reward. And what we can do in our stays to build that emotional control is we can set up all the distractions that we possibly could ever run into in real life. Obviously, I'm not letting us squirrel loose in my house but i can take a fight maybe maybe. what's that funny sound (laughs) i have had pet rats before but (laughs) never pet squirrels um but but i can take a fuzzy toy and i can make that toy look and move like a squirrel very very easily you know there's even specific toys that are made for that so that you can encourage dogs that are maybe not super toy motivated to really love toys by Mm. having this thing that really resembles play to them so or pardon me that really resembles prey to them. So basically what we can do with that is we can start with that toy just sitting on the ground and we can reinforce our dogs for holding that stay position. The value of the reward has to be big enough to override that toy in the room. And then what we can do is we can make it move. You know, we can make it with a little jerk on a line, for example, we can make it look like an actual squirrel in motion and we can help our dogs figure out a way to contend with that particular distraction. The uh, playtime settle and sit is a great exercise when we're talking about control. It's a great way to like get that dog really excited and build in a little bit of uh, self-control. Maybe even more importantly, like listening skills when your dog is super pumped out of their mind. This is something that I uh, I had to work on for ages with Deegan because she'd get up to the point of uh, hyperact, you know, just loving the play session and then to bring her back down into control was really challenging. And what I learned is that I needed to shorten. This is something, you know, we talked, I talked with his instructor, Robbie, in my first uh, class at McCann's using the McCann method. I learned that I needed to really shorten the play session and extend the stay session. You know, I, yeah. I really had to sh- slow it down for her. And and by gradually then increasing the play, it was very uh, efficient or effective. But uh, this is a skill you could do in a 
tiny. You could do it in, a, in an elevator. I mean, you just don't need any room for this exercise. But man, yeah, how it's such a nice skill to have. It's not such a, such a nice command to have for your dog to ask them to settle and sit. Oh, that is that is such a golden nugget to be able to not just to have that particular command, but to have conditioned your dog to the idea that they can go from over arousal and excitement to calm, yeah. and then back to over arousal and, ex- arousal and excitement, and then back to calm again. If you expect your dog to listen when the environment is exciting or the game is exciting or whatever the situation is, if you expect them to listen in that state of mind, you have to train in that state of mind. We can't keep our dogs. I think um, a mistake that a lot of people make when they're when they're just learning about dogs is they want to keep them under wraps. Mm -hmm. They want to keep them sort of under thumb and suppressed throughout their entire training because if I am constantly in control, my dog won't get distracted by the thing and then won't leave me or or the exercise won't fall apart at all. But I'd like to challenge people to think a little bit differently. Think about having your dog focus on that distraction as as an actual thing so that they can learn to listen despite that thing being in the environment. Mm. And we talk about dogs not being stubborn. They really, 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 if you approach it in a way that makes sense to them, they want to do the right thing. So if you can work these exercises where you're saying, hey, it's okay to be crazy and excited and over the top for a minute, and now you can just calm down. And if they get to rehearse that lesson of going from excitement to calm and calm to excitement, then we can control when they get excited out there in the real world. Because I guarantee you, you may be able to keep your dog suppressed when you are in a training situation and you have a set up environment, but you'll never progress to the real world in that way. You need to let them have a little bit of their head with mechanisms that teach them how to come down from that as well exercises, um, you know, working on the skills, it's very obvious what the utility is. Uh, An exercise like the one you just talked about, I can think of of a couple of times that uh, in a day that I might need that skill. One thing I don't think about, I don't think about the utility of is teaching my dog to shake a paw, teaching my dog to Mm -hmm. walk backwards on command. Uh, This is why I think people don't really see the value of trick training, but as professional dog trainers, we completely understand why it's so important that you work on some of these exercises. And some of some of the real value of trick training has nothing to do with the dog. And it's everything to do with your learning, your timing, understanding, uh, you know, what it's, what your dog finds valuable. Uh, maybe it's motion. I mean, there's just so many different things you can identify from your dog, but that you need to learn about yourself as a trainer. Let's talk for a second about trick training and why you, why it's so important to do in those winter months. Oh, it is such a wonderful thing. So if thinking about tricks, if you completely do not focus on that end point of this finished trick. You are still thinking about what is important with that training process. It is not about the finished trick. It's not about showing off your high five or your shake a paw or your, you know, go grab me a beer from the fridge. It's not about showing off those things. It's about the process of teaching it. It's about learning to communicate with your dog and helping them learn to read you and communicate right back. And that process of trick training, because there's no pressure on any of us, right? Who cares if my dog never learns how to high five? 
Who cares? Right. I'm, yeah. I don't have, you know, this stress in my body that says I have to teach my dog this or he's going to be in danger. Mm-hmm. Tricks are just fun. They're mellow and they're easy to sort of get lost in and build that communication with. And then at the end, if you are somebody who appreciates a good trick, you will have some That's stuff right. to show off. Especially nowadays. So many people have like an Instagram account for their dog mm-hmm. or, you know, a TikTok or whatever. Uh that's a great uh, way to pepper pepper in some of your dog tricks in your your Instagram uh, cha- in Instagram feed. Yeah. Um, people will say to us like, oh, "Do you know what's so cool is your dog's constantly looking at you? Like they just check in with you." Tricks is a great mm-hmm. way to teach them that at any point we might ask for something, and if they put in just a little bit of effort, they will be rewarded for it. That's. Um, you know, when we talk about dogs who just naturally want to listen or make better choices, working on tricks is a good way yeah. to get there. Yeah. And it's because it increases your dog's win factor, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's what we want to do. We want to teach our dogs that working with us is great. It's fun. It's great. It's rewarding. And it's worth ignoring their natural instincts and the things that they want to do in that environment to listen to us instead. And tricks are great for tiring out your puppies, great for tiring out your young dogs. Mental exhaustion will go a lot further. So, yeah. you know, if you're stuck inside, it's a snow day and you can't take your dog out, work on 10 minutes worth of trick training. And that's going to just take that mental energy out. It's going to calm your dog a little bit and it's going to give them an opportunity to just relax their brains. So if you have that, you know, frantic puppy that's trying to get into everything and going constantly, you know, a a 10 minute trick training session might be a saving grace for you to help them relax. It'd be interesting to see the calorie consumption uh, (laughs) that, uh, that the brain you know, how many calories does a brain burn? I know they have those sort of um, analytic or metrics uh, for humans. Mm-hmm. And when it talks about this, you know, swimming, it does this much and walking up stairs yeah, does this. Of energy, yeah. yeah. I wonder if there's uh, an equivalent thing for dogs because um, it's so apparent to us. We, I mean, we just get to see so many dogs that I, I, I've seen over and over and over and over again, uh, doing just a little bit of work. It doesn't have to be f- like physically exhausting mm-hmm. for them, doing just a little bit of work. And after that training session, maybe it's 10 minutes, the dog wants to go lie down. Yeah, absolutely. And we try to explain that to our students all the time. If you are just relying on physical exertion to tire your dogs out, you're making your life longer or harder in the long run yeah. because you're basically conditioning an athlete, right? The more right. they get, the more they will need. So it's a Band-Aid solution at best, you know, it, it, taking a little bit of the mental energy out will go a lot further to calming your dog in the house. Finding a class. Sometimes the training is about, isn't about, uh, you know, working on the same things over and over again. You got to make it fun. Mm -hmm. Dog training should be fun for you. It should be fun for your dog. And maybe that means doing like an online course. Maybe that means going to a class, I guess, if we're, you know, we're able to again, um, it, it means doing something that's a little bit more organized and stepping outside of the, the routine. Yeah, most definitely. And it'll give you inspiration too. It'll give you things to work on. It'll give you ideas of things to train. And if it's actually a physical location, it has some potential for maybe a rental spot for you to do some training with your dog, et cetera. If it's an online course, then you can figure out how to work those skills in a smaller space on those in those frightful winter days when it's just not fun to go outside. But it's going to be great for your planning, for your future, for building skills in the future. And I, I always think that the 
best education in my dog training has been trying to figure out how to make my dogs happy in situations like that, you Mm -hmm. know, when we're really busy and we only have so much time, when weather outside is grotesque and I wanted to go out and field train, but there's too much ice on the ground for my dogs to be able to safely maneuver. So I need to do something inside instead. And going through that process of trying to figure out what and learning about my dogs in terms of what calms them, what gives me the best results in terms of a happy dog, et cetera. All of those things really helped me learn how to read dogs. Uh, I'm just going to reorganize a couple of your sentences because you mentioned the frightful weather and then you said <laughs> when the weather outside is miserable. And, and, and because this is talking about winter, I mean, I, my brain immediately goes, when the weather outside <laughs> is frightful. I mean, it, we're, it's, it, we're nearing the Christmas season. We uh, are. It is coming up fast. Uh, you know what would be a great gift for a puppy owner or a uh, someone who has a dog in training is our Puppy Essentials or our Life Skills Program. Um, and we actually have uh, gift certificates that are available. So if you've we got a, a family, friend, loved one who's gotten a puppy and is uh, is you know, excited about having a dog that wants to listen. You know, if you want to realize those aspirational goals that you had to have a dog that, you know, you can take places and and like enjoy, um, then the puppy essentials program is a great place to start. And the life skills program is the perfect way to work on skills like walking on leash on your recall and those sit and sit stay skills. Um, uh, if you're interested in uh, either of those programs, check out the uh, show notes in the, uh, check out the links in the show notes below. And, uh, you can uh, join us. We have uh, weekly coaching calls, daily Q&A with a professional dog trainer. Uh, you can send us your videos. We can uh, nitpick those little things that yeah. you're doing or offer you some encouragement. Maybe you just need to uh, tweak how your feet are in a skill. I mean, th- th- these these are the little, little things that yeah. we see as dog trainers that can take you from frustrated to uh, feeling fantastic in your training. So um, check those links out. And uh, with no further ado, Shannon, this has been a fun one. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the winter weather holds off. But now you guys, our podcast listeners, you're prepared for it. Yep. So uh, I'm excited that you've kind of got a strategy and uh, you get to, uh, this is what I, I, again, I mentioned, I loved doing that basement train, those basement training sessions. Cause I had, I had some, some goals, I had mm-hmm. some focus and sometimes that's all it takes to, to keep your dog out of trouble and to make them smarter, uh, in, in more motivated. And that's really what we're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And when they're smarter, they make us look smarter. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> we're going to have a bunch of eggheads walking around cause you guys are so prepared on that note. I want to thank you guys for listening. I'm Ken. I'm Shannon. Happy training guys. Bye for now. Bye everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast. And if you'd like some more training resources, be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs. And if you'd like to train with us online, be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program, where we know in just a few weeks, your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training.